begin the fact of the Bible says in Proverbs eleven thirty, it says, The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. And we know that obviously this is a he that winneth souls is wise, so that means that obviously, like we said, that the reverse could be true. The person you know, the person that doesn't win souls is foolish. But the Bible, you know, also details how to lead somebody to Christ. There's things that we need to know. Um, we need to realize that for most of us, we think I have to know everything or I have to know God's word so inside and out. And we, it is good to know that and to study it. But what we need to do is that the word of God is the most important thing. First and foremost, we need to pray before we go out. Because we know that obviously that we don't fight against, you know, Flesh and blood, we fight against principalities, against you know dark rulers in, in high places. And so, but the word of God, as uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, uh, piercing even to the uh, dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So what we need to realize is that when we bring forth God's word, you know, we can't go there just willy-nilly i mean and i'm saying and this goes a little bit more for the fact of going door to door because sometimes if you're talking to somebody one-on-one it may just come out of the blue and you may not have the bible with you but if you memorize uh you know these verses and stuff that's what's going to help out that's what's going to uh bring somebody to christ and we know that romans ten seventeen says so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of god it's not going to come by you know, us winning an argument about what political party you know, that we, we follow. It's going to come by the fact that we need to preach God's word, and that's where the you know, faith is going to come, you know, come from. Tonight, when we, when we look, there's going to be four books of the Bible that we're going to use when presenting the, uh, the gospel to somebody. not saying that you're going to go through all four books. I'm just saying there's four books that we're going to be going through. One is Romans. The other one is Revelation, Acts, and the Gospel of John. Now, some would say, well, why are you going to use the Gospel of John? Yes, ma'am. All right. I will. I thought I saw your, uh, your pen over there smoking. You know, I, just... I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to, you know, I wanted to get everything in for you. All right. Sorry. So we have Romans, Revelation, and I'm going to go through these. So that way you don't have to worry about that. Romans, Revelation, Acts, and John. And the reason why we use the Gospel of John, as we had talked uh, throughout the entire time that we went through the Gospel of John over the past year and a half, that it was all summarized in John chapter 20, verse 31, that says, But these are written that ye may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that believing ye might have life through his name. And so that's what we need to realize. That's what we need to, to go through. And I'm going to go through these verses and uh, first, and then we'll go through how you apply them when you're talking to somebody. One of the first things that you'll probably need, though, is if you go, like, say, you know, door to door. And what I plan on, you know, plan on doing is, is that uh, on Sunday, we're going to have a time where we go out maybe for like a half an hour or an hour on Sunday. We're just going to go around to the, the different houses. Now, obviously, if you don't live in Carothersville, you can, you know, go do this and, um, you know, and steal. Like, I know Hannah lives out that way or in Haytai or wherever else that you may live, but you're probably going to need a New Testament, something small like this. And if your eyes are not as good, you're going to need a New Testament that's a little, you know, has large print. And you can buy a lot of those over at like Dollar Tree. They have um, like a New Testament over there as well. And what you're going to do in here is you're going to mark down the verses 
you're gonna have like little, you know, kind of like little references or you know, cheats for where you're gonna go next when you're talking to somebody. But the reason why you want to you'll want to memorize these verses first, you know, memorize the references. At least that you'll have that. But eventually, you want to memorize the verses. The reason being is that some people will not allow you to open up your Bible. They won't let you get to that point. But if you already have them memorized, they can't shut off your brain. So that'd be one of the reasons why you have one. This one right here uh, was like twenty or twenty-five dollars. It's a bonded leather. It's called the Classic Soul Winners New Testament. And the reason why I like this one is because in the back, it has all different kinds of little helps and everything else. So if somebody asks you a question along the way, you can actually uh, turn to it if you like. Also in the back of this, it has a little section on here that says Souls One to Christ, and you can write the person's name and the date that they got saved um, while you're out there. So that's a really, really, really nice thing to have. One of the other things is, is that it'll fit in your back pocket. So when they, you know, when you come out to the door and they don't, uh, you know, realize who you are, you just kind of, you know, whip out your sword and you're all good to go, right? All right. The first reference that we're going to go to is Romans three twenty three. So what you're going to want to do is in your Bible, like I have it marked off in here with my the little ribbon, so that way I can go to it right away. And what you're going to you know, also realize is that you're going to want to greet yourself. Uh, and I'm going to go through this, you know, a little bit here and there. You're going to want to greet yourself, let them know where you're from, because what happens most of the time when somebody comes to the door and starts talking, they think you're a Jehovah's Witness, don't they? So you don't want to let them know, no, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, okay? You know, this is not some sort of weird cult kind of a thing. So, but like I say, I'm going to go through the verses and stuff. So Romans 3.23, this is where you're always going to start, in Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. And a lot of you are all, you know, for a lot of these, will already have these memorized. So that's already good for you. You're already, you know, on good track. But the reason why you start off with this one is because why? Because it says, you know, for all have sinned. That puts you on an equal playing field with the person that's at, you know, that you're talking to. Because it doesn't say, well, you've sinned, but she hasn't. It says, for all have sinned. So we're all at the point, we're all sin, you know, we're all sinners, right? Uh, not perfect. And so what do, we, uh, what do we say? What do we do? We always start there because of the fact that that's what, um, like I said, we can go to them and ask them and start off asking the question of what does it mean to be a sinner? And from there, you're going to hear a variety of different answers. All right. Um, you know, you'll say, well, somebody that, you know, you'll hear like somebody that's committed like mass murder uh, somebody that's all these bad things because the person you're talking to is never a bad person. They always compare themselves to the worst possible person, like Adolf Hitler or Saddam Hussein or somebody that's killed a lot of people. Automatically, the person at the door is automatically going to say, "I'm a good person." I'll just tell you that right now. That would be it's probably about 95 percent of the time you're going to run to the person who says, "I'm a good person. I've never done anything bad." But what we already established in here, the fact is, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, you can always ask them the question, have you ever lied? And the reason why you want to ask them this question, you'll see here in a little bit, the reason why, because later on you're going to kind of catch them in that, because you're going to ask them, you know, you've already admitted that you lie. All right? So what you're going to do, this is not like a coercion thing, it's just the fact that you're going to let them know, you know, ask them that question. And if they don't want to admit it, you can say, well, I have. Because I'm guaranteeing, I mean, 
everybody in this room has probably told a, a lie, a little white lie, fib, whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah. All right, good. We, you know, we have honest people here tonight. Oh, yeah. And so what we have to realize is, you know, you know, what you're doing is you're establishing that fact, and you could uh, tell them, well, you know what? Jesus is perfect, and we're not. That's where you're going, you know, with that first question. And it's kind of going to be kind of an interactive thing that you're going to talk to this person. But this entire presentation take, should take about 10 to 15 minutes when you're talking to somebody. Not because you're you know, trying to time yourself and get out, but because sometimes people want to know how long you're going to talk to them at the door. And I'm not saying that you have to say, well, I'll be done in 10 minutes, but you just say, you know what? If you give me a few minutes, you know, I'll guarantee in state of that. Don't sit there and keep a person a lot longer than they want, you know. I mean, even Moses, you know, said, uh, let my people go. Right? So then next, where are you going to go? And th- these are things you're going to write in your Bible, all right? So you got Romans 3.23. What you're going to write, you know, next to that is what? Is Romans 6.23. So you're going to go, go a few more pages to the, to the right. And you're only going to read about the first portion of this. Which says, for the wages of sin is death. So you admit, uh, you got them to admit that they're a sinner because they lied, right? And you say that, you know, you're going to let them know there's a wage for your sins, and that is death. Just like there's a payment for what work you've done, there's a payment for the sins that you've committed, which is death. All right? And so as you go on and you're trying to explain this to them, you just say, you know, God has a punishment for sin, and the punishment is death. And this is where you can also say, you know what? And there's a reason why there is so much evil in the world is because mankind has sinned against God. Because you're going to have somebody that's going to ask you the question of, well, if God is really a good God, then why is there so much evil in the world? It's not because of God. It's because of humanity. And that's what they need to realize, that man has sinned. And that's going to oftentimes uh, bring down their, uh, those preconceived thoughts that they're going to have and trying to get you off track. Now, here's the whole thing. During this entire presentation, what you're going to do is you're going to just lead them in, this, you know, lead them in the gospel presentation. You'll have some that will try to deter you. Well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And what do you, whatever. All you have to say to them is, I'll answer that at the end, or I don't know, and then just get right back onto your, your thing. But if you say, I don't know, just, and the next part you're going to want to mean is, but I'll, I'll find out for you. And mean it when you say that, you know, like go back later on and say, hey, you know, you asked this question. And what the hardest part is going to be for you is that you know people in this town. Because why? Because a lot of you have grown up here. Don't pass up the house unless you already know that they're saved. Don't pass up the house just because I know them. What are they going to think of me? Go on there, you know, talk to them to say, hey, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about this. Because you, know, you, don't ever, uh, you never know that while you're going through this uh, uh, presentation, they may not you know, come to the Lord, but later on they're saying, you know, I was thinking about what you're saying. And they may come later on to that. So, like I said, you get in there and you talk about the fact that, like I said, uh, the first part of it, for, you know, for the, uh, but for the wages of sin is death. And you have them on this part and you're going, man, this sounds like very, very depressing. You, they have to know the bad news so you can get to the good news. They have to know the reason why they're going to give their life to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know. 
They just think that, that it's a crush that some people, you know, some weirdos do on Sunday. You know, they go in this big building and they just, you know, act weird and, and hear, listen to a book and all sort of kind of stuff. That's what they think. But like I say, you're only going to do the first portion and you're going to come back to the second portion later on in this presentation that you're going to give to them. The next one you're going to go to, you're going to mark, is Revelation 2014. Revelation 24, uh, 20, verse 14 and 15, if you want to include that part, says, and death and hell, because what you're going to do is you're going to explain to them that there's two deaths, physical and spiritual. All right? So Revelation 20, verses 14 and 15 says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is what? The second death. And, so, uh, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So what you want to let them know that it's not you're only you're not just going to get buried in the ground, but there's a second death. There's not just a physical death, there's a sp uh, spiritual death as well. All right. And so when they they realize that and and you you explain that to them, you take them over a chapter into Revelation 21:8. And this is where that question that you asked at the beginning about have you ever lied? is going to come into play. Revelation 21, verse 8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving, and you can, you can walk through them, you know, walk this through you know, with them if you like, and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters. And idolaters, you can say, is just somebody that worships an idol. And this is the part where, you, uh, you know, that, that part's going to come back. And all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, or lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So you have, you already showed them that there's a second death, and now you're going to say, you know what, all, it's funny, you have all these verses, and most people will probably say, well, I've never done any of those. And then, and then John includes, and all liars. In which we just said, you know, everybody in this room's already said that they've, you know, you know lied at one point in their life. And so, what you can do, you know, when they say, well, that's not me, you say, well, you just admitted. Yes, ma'am. Fearful. Yes. Definition. Fearful? That's what, what, that's what 2020 is all about, fear. Mm -hmm. COVID. They're trying to put people in a panic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we can all fall short, I mean, yeah. of that in, in a sense. Well, you can. And the thing is, that's what you could also, you know, you can, you know, bring out is that everybody's living in fear because of COVID or whatever the government's going to do or whatever. But the thing is, is that the fearful that he's, you know, uh, referring to it would be more for the, the person that's not saved because he's writing to the, he's writing this to churches. So the churches are already, you know, saved. He's, he's talking about the fearful those that are trusting in the world, and their thing, you know, their fear is, I don't know where my next meal is going to come from. I don't know where I'm going when I'm dying. I don't know where, and then they just, you know, they have fear about here and now and the present. But is, don't you think that's a tool that Satan tries to use on the Christians? Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. Because if he can push us into fear, it gets our mind off of what he, the Lord's wanting us to do, and it gets our mind onto uh, the things around us, like, Walking on the water, you know, he got his eyes on the water and, and not on the Lord. Mm -hmm. So, you know. 
Well, and that's and where. And that's where in 2 Timothy 1.7 it says, For God had not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The Bible's not saying that we're not going to be afraid at times. But he's saying that when you're in that, you know, if you have that spirit of fear, it's not of God. That's what we need to realize. That's why when I uh, pick up a month or two, uh, you know, preach on it, I don't understand why people will go and watch a lot of these, like, horror movies and all sorts of stuff. Because to me, after... Uh, and maybe I'm just, you know, the weirdo out there, but I'm just saying, like, I, I used to watch them, and by the time I was done, I leave the movie theater, I hear, like, leaves rustling in the, in the background, and I'm jumping around the corner because I'm like, who was that, you know? I was like, to me, it's all, like, irrational because I was like, I don't want to put that in my mind. Like I said, I watched that uh, movie, it was, like, shortly after I was saved, I watched a movie, The Ring, and everybody's like, oh, that's a dumb movie, blah, 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 blah. I freaked out in the fact of this woman, you know, the whole shower, you know, her hair, whatever. She was, I don't even know if there was a shower scene in that movie, but there was, she came in, her, her hair was always like wet and everything else and just kind of popped up. I got out of the shower one day, blinked my eyes, all of a sudden I just saw her coming up like that with her hair, and I was like, I ain't watching nothing. I was like, I almost screamed in that, you know, in the bathroom, which would have been funny for my parents. They'd be like, what are you doing screaming in the bathroom for? This is when I was at home, so. My daughter would be like, ah! You know. What happened? Nothing. I'm fine. I'm good. I just never, I just never understood that. Like, um, I think I watched, tried to watch like Scream two or three. I was just like before, and this is the, you know I think God you know has helped me in this area because before I used to watch those and I'd be like this is dumb and stupid. You know I used to sit there and watch them, not have a problem with them. Just I would watch Nightmare on Elm Street, you know Friday the Thirteenth, all these stab them, slash them, whatever, and go this is the dumbest thing and whatever, have no kind of problems with it, just to kind of walk away from it. Then I got saved, and all of a sudden I'm like, just jumping, like, every which way, you know, after all that kind of stuff. So I just, I stopped doing it, you know, I, I stopped watching them. I was just like, you know what, God hasn't given me that, you know, the Bible says he hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. That's not giving me power, love, or a sound mind at all. So I was like, I'm not going to watch it, so... Um, anyways, but yeah, that's one of those things that, you know, we go on there, but one of the, the biggest things that you can get somebody, because if you get like a macho man at the door, he's like, he's going to tell you, oh, I've never been afraid. He's lying. Well, he's lying, but I'm just telling you. <laughs> I mean, he's not going to sit there and go, oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I got out of the shower one day and had the woman from the ring pop in her brain and I started screaming, you know, whatever. He ain't going to do that. He's going to be like, yeah, well, man, what are you talking about? No, I ain't going, I'll never get afraid. Reason why I say that because I had that attitude uh, also. So, anyways, so like when we look at you know twenty one, uh, sorry, Revelation yeah twenty one verse eight, all of these so far, like I said, sound pretty depressing and stuff. But like I said, we need to let them know what the bad news is before we can tell them the good news. Because the good uh, you know the good news, the gospel, the Bible says it's glad tidings, it's good news, it's you know the gospel. So they need to realize why they need to, uh, why they need Jesus. Most of the modern gospel nowadays is, you know, you need Jesus because he's going to help you with your life. He's going to help you be happy all the time. He's going to help you whatever. Um, and I'm assuming everyone in this room that's, I mean, everyone in here has been a, you know, a believer for, for a while. And you would say that a Christian life is probably more difficult than it was being not saved, right? It's not, I mean... If your Christian walk is all about, you know, like, you, you in your mind, you're just like, I'm just happy continually. Everything is great and wonderful. Nothing ever goes wrong. I mean, I'm just, 
I just want to know what you're doing because I haven't experienced that. So what we need, like I said, we need to let them know the bad news before we can let them know the good news. And like I say, if they say that I haven't done any of those things, the all liars part will help you out there. Because that's what it says. It says all liars will have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. So that they're going to, you know, because they'll try and play that I'm a good person card. Most people do. And most of the time they'll say I'm not as bad as. And they never pick like their neighbor or their like grandma or whatever. It's always, like I said, somebody they don't know, like Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, all these ones that have been going around killing uh, massive amounts of people and everything else, Jeffrey Dahmer, all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing is, is what we can ask them, you know, after this, after we realize the fact that when he talks about, you know, the, that you're going to have, that all the liars are going to have their part in like, you know, like a fire, is that you can go into the next part and ask them this question, which is, do you think God wants uh, to send people to hell? Because most people have this idea that God enjoys it. My mindset when I was, you know, uh, you, you know when, before I was saved was is that I was some sort of, uh, that either God didn't exist, or he did, but he was like that big kid, you know, with the uh, magnifying glass, and I was a little ant that he was trying to burn and just have fun with and toy with. And that's my mind, that was my mindset, and there's a lot of people that still have that mindset, but here's the thing is, is that you can ask them that question, do you think that uh, God wants to send people to hell? And, and some will say, well, yes. Some will say no. But then what you do is you go to the next verse, which is you're going to mark this next to Revelation 21.8 as you're marking these through is Romans chapter 5, verse 8. This is a verse that I've often... Uh, quoted uh, in service, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that, you know, it basically says, says even while we're yet sinners, he died for us. He doesn't want to send us to hell, but the thing is that there's things that you know, need to take place first. And here's a part you may want to realize and show them, it says while we're yet sinners, over and over again. So it's saying while you're, you know, you're talking to this person at their door or talking to them one-on-one, it's saying, you know what, while you're out doing all your stuff you wanted to do, he died for you. While you're out sinning and doing all that other stuff that you're doing, he died for you. And what you need to, you know, maybe let them know is the fact, you know, to show them that, you know, Jesus, as far as you want to let them know, Jesus was fully God, fully man, he was perfect. As we stated before. And then ask them if they know what did they do to Jesus, a perfect man, who was fully God and fully man. Because some people know, some people don't. And a lot of people will know. They'll, you know, they'll say that, well, that you know, he died, they nailed him to a cross, he was buried, and that he rose again. But we'll let them know that he also paid uh, for the sins of the whole world. There's a false doctrine out there that says that Jesus only paid for the sins of the elect. Now, the Bible says that he paid for the sins of the whole world. I mean, there's scripture verses that flat out say that, you know, he paid for the sins of the whole world. Titus chapter 2 talks about it. Um, There's a few in Romans as well. that talk about He paid for the sins of the whole world, not just the elect. And so, um, 
when you say that to him, you can also ask him, just because Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, does that mean everyone is going to heaven? If Jesus paid for the sins of everyone, upon that cross, does that mean that everybody is going to heaven? The reason why I ask this is because there's a false doctrine out there that says that everybody is going to heaven because Jesus' love wins. And that because Jesus died, for, you know, the, you know he, paid, he paid for the sins of the whole world, that means that everybody's going, and that's not true. Jesus, uh, you know, yes, Jesus paid for the sins of the whole world, but that doesn't mean that everybody is going to heaven. And so you want to ask them that question, because a lot of them have this idea, well, because, like I said, I'm a good person. They're still going to be on this good person part. They're still going to say, well, I'm a good person. And they're going to try and throw that out there and say, I'm a good person. What do you mean, I'm a, I'm a good person? And what you could tell them, there's one thing that you must do. The next verse you're going to go to is Acts chapter uh, 16. This is probably one of the most clear-cut ver- uh, chapter or verses that talk about what you must do, uh, do to be saved. Acts chapter uh, 16, verse 30 and 31 says, And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I mean, is that not really a plain question right there? What do I got to do to be saved? But what is the answer? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. What do you got to do to be saved? Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It is so plain and simple. But there are churches that will teach that you got to be baptized, that you got to go speak in tongues, that you got to do have church membership, that you got to do all these things, that you, you know, all these words. And the Bible just says, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Are those things good? Yes. All of those things that I just mentioned are good things that, you know, are good things. But they're not required for salvation. You know that, right? Some of you are looking at me like, I don't know about that. But yeah, that's true. The Bible says, believe upon the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. So what we also, and if they ask the question about, you know, what does it mean, you know, thy house? Basically, if your family believes on the Lord, they will be saved as well. That's what he's saying there. He says, if they believe and you believe, you're going to be saved. And here's the thing. At this time, you haven't asked them what their name is, the person that you're talking to. Obviously, if you know the person, then that's okay. But if you haven't asked them a question, this is probably the time to ask them. Because of what you're going to do in the next verse that you're going to do. So from Acts chapter 16, verses 30 and 31, you're going to write down next to that, John 3.16. And what you're trying to do is give them the most accurate gospel presentation that there is. And then you go to them and you, uh, and then you read John 3, 16. And most of you probably have, you know, some of you probably already have this memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's pretty plain and simple. That's the gospel in a nutshell right there. He said he loved the world. And this is where, like I said, the Calvinists will come out there and say, well, that's just the elect. The last time I checked, the world is everybody, whether they're believers or not. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Who is that? Jesus. That whosoever believeth. Whosoever kind of explains the world. Whosoever is everybody. You're a, Brother Doug is a whosoever. Miss Martha is a whosoever. Nita is a whosoever. He died for everyone you know, that, you know, that's in that. Believeth in him should not perish. What does that mean? That if you believe in him, you're not going to perish. Right? But have everlasting life. How long is he everlasting life? There you go, everlasting. It's actually in there forever, everlasting. It, it lasts forever. Yep, and so you can explain that to him and say, you know what, how long is that? And then you can go down a couple of verses to verse 18 that says this. He that, and this will you know, even explain it more to him. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believed, uh, uh, believes not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Pretty plain and simple. The one who hasn't believed, condemned. The one who uh, has believed, has everlasting life. They're not condemned anymore. Am I going too fast still? No. You just... Okay. You said that look out there of confusion and something like that. I thought I was like... I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. So what we do, you know, like I said, you're running through these verses... And you're asking them questions as you're going. You're interacting with them. You're not just rambling off a big list of them and going, and then at the end go, so what do you think? But you're interacting with them, answering their questions as they go. That's why I'm kind of interacting with you as I'm going through, so that way you guys understand that what you need to do, or, you know, that's going to help you out. So then next, what you're going to do from there is you're going to go back to Romans 6.23. And you're gonna mark, like I said, you're going to mark all these in your Bible, uh, these references, so that way you know where to go next, in case you forget. Uh-huh, I'm going to make cue cards. And there you go. <laughs> I wrote it. Read that part. I got to go back. There you go. Because I guarantee, and the other thing is, the reason why you want to write them in your Bible as well, in those margins, to know where you're going next, is because you're going to have somebody, or a few, that are going to try and get you off track, to get you to forget. I mean, everybody knows somebody in this room where you can go in there and start talking to them about milk cartons. By the time you're done, you're talking about Toyotas. I mean, everybody knows that there's somebody out there that's going to try and get you way off track. And that's why it's so important to say, I'll answer that at the end. When they try to do that. Because they're going to. If you've ever talked to anybody about Jesus, you know that somewhere you're going, how did that conversation turn? They're going to try it. They're going to try and get you distracted. And the whole thing is, is that with you being there, this is what we need to realize. With you being there, that's kind of your time. They said yes, they wanted to listen to you. So at this moment, it's all about you. No, I'm just kidding. It's all about you and Jesus at this moment, you know, present the gospel to them. And that's what you want to do. You want to be able to present the gospel, share God's word, you know, so that way God's word can work in their life. That these Bible verses that you know, you're having can work in somebody's life. And be able to do it. So when we get back, like I said, to Romans 6.23, we're going to read the second portion of it, which says what? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we have this entire, you know, you know the part where they know how to get saved. They know what John 3.16 says. They know that if they believe, they're going to be saved. And if they don't, they're not going to be saved. And then you get to the last part. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. All right?
And so when we get there, this is a part where you, you, you kind of want to bring it to their attention. That if you're given a gift, do you pay for it? So if I were to go up, if I were to go up to Asia over here and say, Asia, here's a Bible, but you gotta, you know, you gotta wash my car for three years before you can have it. Is that a gift? No. no. But I, you know, I go up to you know Ms. Brenda and say, Hey, Ms. Brenda, you can, you know, you can have this Bible, but you need to come to church. <laughs> is that is that a gift? It's a gift of <laughs> and gifts don't have stipulations. Gifts are a gift. You give them to somebody, right? right? But if I came over and said, hey, Doug, here, you have this Bible, nothing, wherever, go like that. I'm going to need that back to him. <laughs> but if I go up to him and I give it to him and I say, hey, here you go. And, then, you know, just, there you go. You just, you know, or I can, here, I'll, I'll, I'll let him have some here. You can have this pen. That's a gift. There you go. You might have to talk with uh, you know, Ms. Mary afterwards while I get that back. <laughs> but anyways, you need to let them know that. And a lot of times, if you're bringing something with you, like if you, you know, say you, you go out and get a gospel track or something like that, because sometimes you want you know, to leave something with them so they can read it you know, as well, or even one of our invite cards or something else, you can use that as something, you know, maybe not just you know, the Bible you're using, but you can say, well, if I ask for that invite card back, was that a gift? And you can use that back and forth. So what you need to realize, what, what you're doing, you're setting that up to realize that, it, that you're believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a gift. And how are you going to you know, receive it? It's, you know, as Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 say, that, the, uh, that we are saved uh, by grace through faith. And this is not of ourselves, but what? That lest any man should boast, because you know, this is the gift of God, Right? And so what we need to realize is that we're setting this all up for them to realize that God offers salvation for free, that it is a gift, and that they're sinners and they desperately need it. This entire you know, presentation that you're doing you know, with them, and I know that it's taken, you're going, well, this is only supposed to take 10 to 15 minutes. And Pastor Sean, you've been on this at least for 35, 40 minutes. But obviously when you're in the midst of the conversation, you know, it... Um, it should only, obviously, going through the whole thing, it should take about 10, 15 minutes. That's minus questions. But hopefully, by the time you get down to this verse, I mean, they're, you know, hopefully they're still there. I mean, they're still wanting to, you know, uh, to hear about this, or hear about Jesus. And so what we need to realize in there is about the gift of God is what? So who's the one who's giving this gift? God. That's what we want them to realize. The gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ. So God is offering us a gift, eternal life, through his son. And so what we need to realize, you know, let them know is that our past, present, and future sins are forgiven. That, you know, obviously there's people that have this idea that, hey, since I've been saved, I can go ahead and just do whatever I want. That's not the right mindset to have. Even though that we are saved, we shouldn't, you know, sit there and go, I'm going to go out there and just commit whatever sins I want. That's like a husband, you know, that would be like a husband Saying, you know, I love you, wife, but you know that I'm going to you know, mess up anyway, so I just might as well go ahead and do it right now anyway and get it over with. Mm. It's not the right mindset. Mm. We should have a, a you know, mindset of holiness. That doesn't mean it would be more like, I love you, I messed up, and I don't want to do it again. Not because we think that God all of a sudden is not going to love us anymore, but because we don't want to hurt, you know, we don't want to hurt that relationship, just like we wouldn't want to hurt our relationship with our spouses. And so what we're going to do at this point, and...
I'm, I say I'm going to do this quickly, but I'm not going to do this quickly, but in your presentation you're going to want to do this quickly, is you're going to repeat the gospel back to them quickly of what you just talked to them about so they have an idea of what's going on and that they haven't missed it because you want to make sure that they understand it. So what you're going to ask them is, do you admit that you're, um, you know, that you've lied? Do you admit you're, you know, that you're a sinner? And they'll say yes. Hopefully. If not, that's why you have the Bible verses there. Sometimes, you know, and just because a person asks you to go through it again, this is one of the reasons why you're going to do that, but if they ask you to go through it again, it doesn't mean that they just want to be difficult. Sometimes people just need to hear it again because then they can finally uh, get it and understand it. Next, you're going to say, according, this is important, according to the Bible, where do sinners go? There you go. But it's important to put on there according to the Bible. The reason why is because you're going to have somebody say, well, I don't think that I'm going to go to hell. It's like, I'm not asking that question. According to the Bible, where do sinners go? They go to hell. Then next, does God want people to go to hell? Answer is no. And like I said, at any point, if somebody has questions about these, you can go back to the verses that deal with these. Next one is, what did God do so that we don't have to go to hell? That would be sent Jesus to die on the cross. You can ask him a question like, how long was he dead for? Three days. What happened after the three days? He rose again from, the, uh, from death. This is also dealing with uh, Romans chapter you know, 10 where it says that, you know, believe on the Lord that he... He died, was buried, and rose again. And then the, that question, one of those last questions, which is, just because Jesus died for the whole world, does that mean, does that, mean that everyone goes to heaven? And you said, no. Don't worry, you're almost done. After this, then you say, just as it says in Acts 16.30, what must you do to be saved? What must you do to be saved? That's what I'm asking you. What was that, Miss Mary? Yep. It's faith alone. Just believe. And you can ask them these questions that you know follow it. You know, do you have to be a good person? Do you have to attend church? Do you have to stop sinning? Do you have to clean up your life? Just believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. The answer to any of those is no. You don't have to do any of those things in order to be saved. Obviously, it's a good thing for you then to go to church and everything else. That's why you're going to be inviting them to church you know, at the end. But it's just going to happen. And then also, um, how long is eternal life? Forever. And we read through those verses that, you know, that say that... Um, that if you believe on, you know, that if you believe that you should not perish. So doesn't that show some? Uh, doesn't that show you know, you know eternal security in the fact that God's word says that you know nobody can ever pluck you from His hand, and that if you believe in Him, that you should not perish. You know that you're not going to perish. You're going to have everlasting life. So you can even assure them that. Are people going to be stupid? Yes. You're going to have those people out there that will believe upon the Lord. 
And I think some people, you know, at times we run it, you know, actually be surprised when we get to heaven and be like, you made it? Because, I mean, honestly, there's probably some people out there who are like, oh, I don't even, I, I know that they said this prayer a long time ago and they used to go and whatever. The Bible says that, what, that if they believed, they truly believed in faith, what does it say? That they're saved. Last verse that you're going to share with them is John chapter 1, verse 12. Which says this, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So when you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, what does it say? It says that you have become a son of God. Not like the son of God, but you have, you know, Bible says that you're, what, heirs? You've been adopted in? So when you believe upon the Lord, the Bible says that he has given us power to become, what, sons of God. It's just, you know, think about all this. Is when, we, uh, when you believe in Jesus Christ, you remember that's a free gift through faith, right? Now, let me ask this question. If your ch children are obedient to you, are they still your children? If they are disobedient and rebellious, are they still your children? <laughs> I saw Hannah over going like this. I was like, I, you know, I was like, I know you. I know you're messing with me right now. That's the thing is, is that that's actually one of the biggest things that we need to realize with the the prodigal son. The prodigal son never ceased to be the father's son, right? Even though he was out doing his mess and everything else, he never ceased to be a son. He welcomed him back, said, "Hey, my, I thought my son was dead, but now he's alive." He never says, "You were never my son." And that's what we need to realize is that whether a person is obedient, disobedient, whatever, if they truly have believed upon the Lord and they go off and do their own dumb things, God still calls them a child of God. He still says that, you know, that, they're, that they're a son, a daughter of God. Amen? So, you know, like I said, I talked about those you know, few things is that memorize those verses, at least memorize the references, so that way when you start you know, going out, you know these, you have these, you know, write them in your Bible as far as like the references that, you know, when you're writing these down, write it for the next reference you're going to. It's not really going to help you to write the reference that you're already talking about next year, because then you're kind of in the same spot over and over again. You want to write it to the next reference that you need when you go talk to somebody. Does that make sense on that? So I told you that, you know, that the first one, you're, you're already going to have all the verses that you need, you know, in order to go out. And, and so I expect, like, all these chairs that are empty, like, next week, to, you know, to be full, right? No. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, I think I got a cough. I need to stay home next Sunday. Um, but what we need to realize is that we need to go out and share the gospel. We don't need to be afraid to share the gospel. We just need to go out and we need to tell people about Jesus. Because... Here's one of, the, uh, one of the things that we have to realize because uh, some people will have the attitude that, well, this person didn't get saved. What does it say in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verses uh, 6 through 8? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planted anything, and neither is he that watereth, but God that give, uh, gives the increase. Uh, now uh, he that planted and he that watered are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Just because a person doesn't get saved at that, uh, that moment does not mean that they, you know, later on, that they won't. 
We just need to be faithful in preaching God's word to people and go on and doing it. I think far too long, and I say this as far as just, you know, as, I don't say this as an indictment against the Assemblies of God, but I think far too long the Assemblies of God personally has always has relied on doing big events, giving out food, and doing those things. But they're not preaching, the, you know, a lot of churches are not preaching the word of God. They're just saying, hey, here you go, God bless you, and sending them on their way. That's not, help. I mean, I understand, you know, I'm not saying that we shouldn't give out food, that we shouldn't help them out. But the thing is, the greatest need that they have is that they need to know Jesus. And how are they going to do that? When we share God's word so they can be saved, and then that way they can come, to, you know, come into uh, the church and grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. I mean, we're commanded, you know, in, in Mark 16, 15, uh, go ye therefore, uh, sorry, go, uh, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Luke 14 says to go into, uh, out into the highways and the hedges. Don't walk out in the middle of the highway, just so you know. But we're supposed to go out, he says, you've got to compel them to come in. I think that's oftentimes, you know, what happens is that we, we think that we're, the lights are on, it's a Sunday, it's 10 o'clock, people should be walking in the doors. But oftentimes, you know, they're not going to walk in. Sometimes you have people just walk into church and go, I felt like I should be here. But about 95% of the time, it's going to be from you talking to them. Because, honestly, on Sunday mornings, that should be, just like tonight, it should be, you know, for the equipping and edifying of the saints to build them up so they can go out throughout their week. I'm not saying that if there is somebody that's, you know, you know, that's not saving or they're not welcome because they're always more than welcome. But the thing is, is that, you know how much joy it brings to a pastor's heart or a deacon's heart when you start telling them, you know, say, hey, I was talking to this person and they got saved and here they are. I don't want to always be the fact of, hey, pastor, well, you know what you're doing. So, hey, can you lead this person to Jesus? Why? I don't want your rewards. I mean, if you want to give them to me freely, okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and take them. But the thing is, is that you need to know how it feels to lead somebody to Christ. And the strange thing is, is that when you get rejected by someone, and I've talked about this before, if somebody just flat out rejects you, yells at you, or whatever, it's a strange thing. But I walked away many a times, you know, having a joy inside of me saying, I was actually counted worthy for the gospel. You said, that's weird, you know. Do you like getting yelled at? No. Like, are you some sort of masochist or something like that? Do you enjoy people yelling at you and bl- No, I don't. But just as the apostles, the apostles, you know, had the same thing. They were thrown out, left for dead, and everything else, and they got up and did what? They rejoiced because they were counted worthy for the gospel. Amen. Is there any questions or anything else? One of the things that you do when you uh, remember, I was going to tell you about. Go into the front door when you know if you walk up to you know somebody. Um, if they have a doorbell, ring the doorbell once. Don't sit there and keep on ringing the doorbell over and over again. You're going to annoy them before they even get to the doorbell. Yeah. You know? Or don't sit there and start pounding on it like they're you know like you're the police. <laughs> you know, just get up there and give a couple little knocks and whatever, and just kind of wait and see if they come. That's all you, you know. You go up there and you can say you know. Uh, Hi, my name is uh, Sean. I'm from uh, you know, Crowsville First. If they don't know where Crowsville First is, say I'm you know, from the Assembly of God Church. That's how most of them uh, realize it and recognize it. And to say, I, I just wanted to know, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Because that's going to open up the entire conversation because most people are going to say, I'm, yes, because I'm a good person. 
or yes because, and they're going to give you the, the reasons why they deserve to go to, you know, to heaven. And then you just kind of leave it from there. But when you say, obviously, that you're from the Assembly of God Church or that you're from, it lets them know that you're not a Jehovah's Witness also. Please don't go through and say, I'm from the Kingdom Hall. <laughs> or the Watchtower Society or something like that. Or the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Please don't do that. Because they'll see you coming down the street the next time and be like, oh, don't get away from me. But you walk up and you say, is it going to be difficult at first? Probably. Maybe every single time you go up there, your hands will start getting sweaty and everything else. But God's going to help you. You're preaching his word to people. And yes, will people get saved? Yes. Will there be people that reject you? Yes. I'm just going to you know, just tell you flat out that that's how it's going to be. And what it seems like, um, I believe the statistic is, is for every four doors that you knock, usually one gets saved. Now I'm not saying that you just like, oh, okay, this person got saved, so let's skip the other three and then get to the other one. But I'm saying you go there and you just know. Here's one of the other things, and we'll talk about this in the upcoming weeks, is having a silent partner with you. You want to go in twos. This is also the reason why you want to let them know that you're not Jehovah's Witnesses, because they go in twos as well. But you want to have a silent partner. What does a silent partner do? You know, they kind of back you up, but also they're praying while you're presenting the gospel. And that might be a good role for some, you know, for some people to say, you know what, I'm not really comfortable yet. I say yet because hopefully, you know, that you will be. I'm not comfortable yet, but I'm willing to sit there and pray and see how they go about it and how they do it and everything else. And here's the other thing. Not everyone can be a silent partner. Because if you have a whole bunch of silent partners, you just have to have one person and you know, about 20 people behind them you know, going, oh, there you are, I'm a silent partner with, with him or her. You can't do that. So as, as we look at this, and you know, even more so, I mean, you know, we're talking about missions. Our missions emphasis is now, the thing is, is that we've talked about before, is that sometimes it's easy to go across the world to preach the gospel because nobody knows us there. But what we need to do is go across the street to our neighbors that don't know Yes, may they laugh at you and everything else? Yeah, it's possible. I've been laughed at. But it doesn't matter in, you know, in eternity. When you, when you realize, when you have that joy from bringing somebody from, dark, uh, from darkness into light, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. I mean, and wouldn't you, when you, uh, you know, get up to the pearly gates, that you can look back and see a line of people that you led to the Lord. Instead of like turning around and there's no one there. Because some people have the mindset of, I just want to make it to heaven. You need to have a little bit more than that and say, you know what, I don't want to just make it, I want to bring a whole bunch of people with me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray, and like I said, uh, We'll continue this, uh, you know, next week we'll go into, uh, you know, some uh, you know, further details as far as the conversation.